do I intentionally downplay my intelligence? If you've been a long time listener, i.e. have been here since like episode one, (laughs) and you also know me in real life, you would have to have those two components, I think. Yes, you could probably tell that I, I try to hide, you know, by sounding, for example, more casual or redundant, straight up redundant. (laughs) Um, And I'm wondering why I do that. But I think part of it is this weird, it's actually, it's a phenomenon and it has a name. It's called the Princeton Backlash or whatever Ivy top school you want to insert in place of Princeton. Basically, the idea is that some people, when they hear that, oh, you went to Princeton, I don't know, because of whatever insecurities they have, they feel the need to test you or judge you extremely differently than they would have judged you if they didn't know that or try to one-up you or it's like this weird backlash this weird game that you don't want to play you didn't tell them (laughs) or you did tell them but you didn't tell them to make them feel small like it's just information to you right one of the interesting things when I was at Princeton is that being there for so long um, because even after graduating I stayed for a year to work in one of my professor's labs and it doesn't feel like Princeton if you've been there long enough it just feels like any other place it just feels extremely ordinary and mundane you know even as well the person who graduated from Penn and that's the investment banker episode She was saying that it's easy to just let things get mundane and feel boring and feel like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to class. Can I sleep instead? (laughs) And from the outside looking in, you would think, oh, that's Penn. That's Wharton. That's Princeton. Like, what do you mean? I'm sort of tired of hearing this. (laughs) I'm sort of tired of hearing people who I think have almost unbounded potential telling me oh I didn't know that oh I didn't know that I thought it was expensive to go there I didn't know they would pay for all of your room and board if you make if your family makes 100k per year I didn't know that if you make your family makes under 60k it would just be completely free I didn't know that you had to do x activity I didn't know that like I'm tired of hearing this and so (laughs) this episode is me extremely briefly going over sort of the profile that I believe you need to have to be a competitive candidate. This is not going to be exhaustive, obviously, like to be exhaustive about this could take, I'm 99% sure it would take hours. And this, what I'm about to do is going to be like minutes, right? So don't you know expect like me to go into all of the detail that you need to know (laughs) because i'm not gonna do that i'm just gonna give you like just 
the gist. So at least you have this vague awareness. Obviously there's more that you can glean from me in a different setting, but this is a podcast. And like, so what is the gist, right? Basically, it's to be exceptional, which sounds obvious, right? Like, of course, it's to be exceptional. The acceptance rate is 6% thereabouts. Now, this advice really applies to any college or university that's selective. Uh, there's at least 100 selective colleges and there's over 1,900 colleges and universities. And so everything I say in this episode could apply to virtually any selective i.e. we don't take everyone school (laughs) so if you catch me saying princeton at some point during this episode instead of college or selective college forgive me you know i mean anywhere where acceptance isn't 100 percent, and at times (laughs) i could even mean anywhere where acceptance is 100 percent. but it's it's an exceptionalism that you have to cultivate i would say years in advance of actually applying And it's an exceptionalism that doesn't necessarily have to be on a national scale. I would say state level or even against the backdrop of your immediate community. That's the easiest way. You can be exceptional at multiple things, right? They call that uh, in the admissions game, uh, generalist. But from what I've learned, Schools like Princeton are not looking for well-rounded individuals. So being a generalist, you can still get in, but it's harder because they're looking for a well-rounded class of individuals. And so ideally you have some people who are interested in the arts or some people who are interested in the environment or some people who are interested in electrical engineering, right? And on an intuitive level, it makes sense, right? Like it makes sense that one, it's easier to get extremely good at one thing versus multiple things. And then two, it's easier, I imagine, later in life after graduating to be, become someone so exceptional in one field. It's not that every single component of my application was strong. And again, there's no way to know for certain what factor or combination of factors got you into a place unless like the actual admissions officers who read your application tell you. But I know that I was extremely, extremely strong in certain areas. Now, advice about actually being at Princeton, right? doesn't stop (laughs) I don't know why I was naive and I was like oh yeah the next thing which honestly especially for a school like Princeton really any school to be honest is to go to office hours and to cultivate as many strong relationships with professors and your peers as humanly possible. Now, if you're like me, (laughs) or if you're like how I was, this piece of advice can be really difficult because 
I wouldn't describe myself as a loner. I definitely had friends and I definitely hung out with them, you know, on a regular basis. But I was very much in this mindset of like, okay, academically, I have to excel, right? Which makes sense. Like, literally, everyone who gets into Princeton, like, they just should right, have that on their mind. Especially since for them, at that point, it's a habit. It's just like a pattern of behavior. Like, they don't really know not to excel academically. That's what they've been doing for years, right? And so I was very much in that headspace. And the thing about Princeton is like, I won't say the academics don't matter, but to some degree, to some degree, if not completely, you could learn the information that you get from all of your classes at another university or through the internet or through the library. I mean, maybe the way the professor teaches it is innovative or maybe the professor himself or herself has contributed to the field. And so it's like an interesting experience to learn from someone who is part of the subject that you're learning, right? So yeah, you know, there's special things at Princeton or colleges generally, but like the basic level information, like for example, to be a biology major, like the chemistry classes and the physics you know the biology classes that like the information is the same essentially anywhere right and so that's not really the value of being at princeton right the value is the people and the resources and so if you are like me and you commit to this headset headspace of really headset is honestly almost a better word because it's like you know, virtual reality, right? You're in this world that looks real, but it's not your real world. It's not the thing on which to focus, right? With respect to being a part of the social fabric of the planet Earth. And so that was, I won't say it was a mistake, but like I learned, because this past weekend I went to a conference at Princeton, you know, one of the speakers on the panel One of them said, don't underestimate the power of networking. I know sometimes, especially if you're an introvert like me, you're just like, why do I have to talk to that person? Like, who are they? Like, why do I have to muster up the energy to seem sociable, right? Leave me alone. You know, sometimes you're in that mood, (laughs) permanent mood, but you don't know who next to you could become the next Bill Gates literally you have no idea right and you know there are so many people from princeton who have gone on to different incredible spaces but like when you were a classmate with them at princeton did you think that they would do that like no they probably were like sleeping until two in the afternoon and you're like dude you have class and they're like leave me alone i'm exhausted you know what i'm saying like it seems very again going back to the beginning very mundane like things can seem very mundane And that can even extend to people. Like, people can seem extremely ordinary, even though you're forgetting (laughs) when you think that you're forgetting the fact that, like, okay, Amina, how did they get into Princeton in the first place that you're regarding them as so ordinary? Like, and then what may they do once they graduate from this place? 
that's true regarding them is so ordinary right things can become so mundane and matter of fact and just like gray that it doesn't hit you right but again that's like the points of being at an ivy even episode 10 10 or 11 or both i was talking to someone who you know she's from cornell she was saying her computer science major she could have learned that at her state university in, in, in Indiana, Purdue University. But it's like the people and the connections and the connections that you make there that differentiate it, that make it like the point, that make it the point of your being there. So yeah, especially since college, you know, one panelist in another talk was like, she was saying Princeton is like a fantasy world, like the classes they teach you. And, you know, I mean, you have to listen to the context in which she was saying that. She's not saying that as, like, an insult, per se. It was just, she was pointing out the fact that, like, Princeton doesn't equip you for real life. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't equip you for, like, the vicissitudes of just being a human being with other people and just, like, career changes and, like, home economics. Like, it doesn't equip you necessarily for just like real world adulting activities and so if you don't form those strong connections with professors or your peers I mean it could be harder for you to navigate your professional life or other parts of your life after graduating so yeah that's my point with that And then my last piece of advice, I mean, obviously I probably have more than this, but I'm not going to make this a long episode, is to take classes, and this is, you know, privilege speaking, wildly different from what you would have imagined taking, right? I know sometimes, again, you go in with this like one track mind of, oh, I want to be a doctor. I'm going to take all the doctor classes. (laughs) There's no doctor classes, but the prerequisites for, you know, medical school. And it can be easy to then just have this tunnel vision and completely block out anything that doesn't resemble that. But you don't know. The thing that least resembles what you thought you would be doing in life could be the thing that most interests you, right? Like, because you never ventured into that territory, you would not have any idea about that and so I feel like it's worth at least trying something new to just at least confirm in your mind to yourself that like okay actually medicine is the only thing I want to do there's nothing else you know what I'm saying I feel like college is a great time to do that because after college it's like if you want to go back to school yeah you know or or maybe you get married and then you have kids and like after college things can just become so different that like you no longer have the ability to just try something new i feel like college is a good time i don't want to say to explore like i don't want people to waste time and money but at the same time to just sort of venture onto paths that they thought that they think aren't aren't congruent with their personality for example, myself, right? You may be thinking, oh, well, Mina, do you take your own advice? For myself, no. <laughs> um, I did not take my own advice. And that's why I'm now giving you this advice, right? 
because there was a class, I think it was about computer science. I think it was like an introductory computer science class. And because I thought like, oh, computer science, that's not me, right? Like that doesn't align with my goals, my ambitions. Like that's not, that doesn't correspond to my identity. Computer, what, what is that? And so what did I do? I took a absurd, an absurd class about fashion models, highly, highly, highly don't recommend that you take it. And you can come to me today and ask me, oh, like, did you learn something valuable from that class? Like, did that help you with your career? I learned valuable things, but it didn't help me with my career. And the things I learned, honestly, I've learned through other avenues that had nothing to do with like tuition and college. You understand what I mean? For example, one thing I learned, I thought like, again, naivete, that the lives of the rich and famous and the beautiful people would be really, really, you know, an embodiment of that expression, the grass is greener on the other side. It is not an embodiment of that expression in the slightest, okay? I remember a model came, famous model came to visit our class, you know, to speak, Um, not speak as in like give a talk, but just like sit with us at our table. This was an all female class, talk about her experiences, et cetera. And, you know, she's sharing some of her life story with us because it's impossible, I think, to share literally all of your life story with someone in the space. I mean, it was like a three hour long class because that's the way it was set up. But still, even in three hours, I mean, can you, can I explain (laughs) Um, the story of our life in three hours? So anyway, she's like talking to us and some of the things she was saying, I'm just like, yeah, the grass is not greener at all (laughs) on the other side. And then even the books we had to read written by models or, you know, Maybe it's a biography. Even what was in those books was worse than what she was telling us. And I'm just like, what is going on? So you know what? From that class, yes, I did learn something valuable. I learned not to (laughs) compare yourself to anyone, right? Not that I was doing that, but I learned like, don't do that, Amina. Don't ever do it, (laughs) okay? Oh, also, yes, a disclaimer about, you know, elitism. You know, this advice could apply to really any university, right? And so don't think that because I was saying Princeton, Harvard, Wharton over and over again during this episode that I only care about those schools or I think those are the only good schools. It's just that those are top of mind for me because of guests that I've interviewed recently, because of my own experiences. And so that's what's in my vocabulary, (laughs) my admissions vocabulary currently. Obviously, I know there's like other phenomenal schools that are not in the Ivy League that are incredible, that you can have really formative experiences at, at which you can have extremely formative experiences if you want to be, you know, grammatically correct. And so don't think like, oh, it's it's I'm I'm being you know I'm trying to exclude people who are not interested in that category of 
college or university. And so, yeah, those are my two disclaimers. Disclaimers.